On January 21, 2020, Major Josh Cabo Gunderson was certified as the new F-22 demo team commander and pilot. From a kid who once dreamed of flying fighter jets, to now leading a team that travels all over the world, showcasing American air power, we sat down with Cabo to hear his story on how he got to where he is today. This is the Raptor Nation Podcast. What is going on, Raptor Nation? My name is Lieutenant Sam Eckholm, Public Affairs Officer for the F-22 demo team. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Great, yourself? <laughs> As you can hear, I'm sitting uh, with a very special guest, the guy who just took the keys to probably the coolest job in the entire world, the newest pilot and commander of the F-22 demo team, Major Joshua Gunderson, call sign Cabo. How's it going, Cabo? Not too bad. I mean, it's a pretty good day here at Langley, aside from the weather, but yeah, overall, it's been great. It's raining pretty hard, yeah. but uh, we're nestled down in this in this room right here. Um, but anyway, so sir, on behalf of Raptor Nation, just, you know, I know you've been here for a little bit, but welcome to Langley, and most Thanks important, so much, yeah. uh, welcome to the team, right? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I mean, there's thousands of people who have been just asking for weeks and weeks, like, hey, when are you guys going to announce the new demo pilot? Who is he? Can you give us a hint? And it was pretty pretty under wraps, so I, I'm sure it feels great to you to finally have your name out there, to be a part of this team officially, and to just, you know, look forward and, and take over the demo team world and, and, and you know, kind of rebrand what's going on with our team. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. It's, I mean, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to be a part of the team. Obviously, the team is made up of, of a lot of folks that get the airplane in the air to sh- you know show demos, and, and you see the amazing capabilities of the F-22 while it's airborne, but uh, it takes a team for sure. And to be given the keys, like you said, to this you know to the jet, to the team, and take it around the world showcasing what the F-22 can do, what the Air Force can do, uh, both here in the States and abroad, overseas, it's, it's incredible. So it's an absolute pleasure. I can't even imagine. Um, so kind of the point of this podcast, what we want to accomplish in the next 30 minutes, 45 minutes, is to really just dive into you, into Josh Gunderson, into where you grew up, how you got here, through pilot training, through college, kind of what your journey was to get here, as well as just kind of your background, right? Because people don't know who you are. We want to change that. We want people to know who Cabo Gunderson, who he is. So, you know, we already touched on it a little bit, you know, what it feels like to be in the seat of the coolest fighter jet in the world, the F-22 Raptor. But, you know, the first thing I just want to, you know, pick your brain on is, is what does it feel like to know that for the next two years, for the 2020-2021 demo season, you're going to be at the head of the F-22 Raptor demo team. It's it's a little bit overwhelming, honestly, because, um, one, there's a lot of work that goes into putting an air show. So a lot of times people go to shows, they see the end product, they see the music, they see the narration, they see the maintenance guys launching the jet, they see the jet flying, all those really cool things. Uh, but there's a lot of background that goes into planning an air show in terms of getting the jet on the, ro- jet on the road, the team on the road. Uh, and not only that, but it's a little overwhelming in the sense that like you talked about, it's the F-22 community. It's not just the pilots, not just the main, main skies, the aircrew flight equipment folks. Um, I mean, you have all those people on the team, but we're representing the entire F-22 community on the road, and it's huge, you know. So all my brothers and sisters that are flying F-22s, uh, the maintenance guys that are working on the line, both 
here at Langley, you know, in Virginia, in Vegas, in Hawaii, in Florida, you know, we're representing not just me, but the demo team is representing all of those people on the road at every single show we go to. Uh, so in that regard, it's uh, a huge task to represent them well and to do them a service of uh, putting on a great show and showing the the U.S. populace like what the F-22 is about and what our team can produce. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I love that you brought that up because for, for me, you know, I just finished my first year on the team, heading into the second year with you. Can't wait. But the one thing that really just kind of fascinated with me is how many moving parts there are to this team, right? Like you said, and we'll talk about it more, but the maintainers, the aircrew flight equipment, the avionics technicians, everything that happens at Langley and on the road to, to make, you know, what we do possible. It's really cool. Um, it, it's awesome. So I'd like to take a second now to just go a little bit back in your life. Let's, take it way let's back. go back to the beginning. <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about where you're from. Tell us about your family. Tell us where you grew up, and um, you know we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, you bet. Um, so I grew up in Tampa, Florida, uh, and I was basically raised in Tampa, Florida. Stayed there until I left for the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs when I was 17. I was back in 2004. I'm not sure how old you were, Sam, at that point. But, uh, <laughs> I'm a uh, 2018 graduate for the Academy. <laughs> I'm a 2008 so, yeah. grad, so there you go. <laughs> there we go, um, 10 years apart. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. But, uh, yeah, so my family is all from Tampa, Florida. Um, actually, part of my family came over from Cuba back in the 60s. So I have a lot of Hispanic heritage, both my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. Uh, and that was really instrumental to me growing up in terms of learning a lot about Hispanic culture. My first language uh, growing up in the house with my grandparents was Spanish. Uh, and then obviously I learned English going to school and all that stuff and, and speak both languages fluently still. And um, that was a huge factor in terms of me growing up and developing. And then having that um uh, I guess having that background where, you know, my family came from a different country and understanding the struggles they went through to come to America and pursue, you know, the American dream. That that was huge in terms of me growing up. Nobody in my family was in the military uh, growing up initially. Uh, I had a couple of folks uh, actually that were actually were in the military. So my uncle was in the Marine Corps in Vietnam. My cousin was in the Navy. Uh, so a couple of folks not like in my immediate family in terms of my mom, my brothers, sisters, et cetera, or my dad. But um, yeah, I mean, there was uh, a little bit of military influence and... You know, it was just it was really cool to have the ability to go join the military uh, via the Air Force Academy and serve my country and kind of represent my family. You know, they they came to this country uh, through different means uh, from you know Ellis Island all the way through Florida um, and tell their story a little bit in terms of the military and, and kind of you know make them proud, show that uh, you know as Americans we come together and uh, we can all come from different walks of life and serve the military. So that's kind of my background growing up in Florida. And then from there, I left and went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. It was one of those things where you have those few moments in life where, <laughs> like, you see something, you hear something, something happens to you. Right. And immediately you're just like, that's the place for me. So I got off the airplane in Colorado Springs after being, you know, a Florida boy, seeing nothing but flat land and beach. <laughs> and I saw all these epic mountains. And I was like, man, that is the place for me. I don't know. Like, I'm not a big mountain person, but... But whatever, seeing those places, uh, seeing the mountains, seeing the campus, it was just incredible. It was yeah. overwhelming, and, and uh, I knew that's where I wanted to be. So that's kind of a little bit about my background uh, and then how I kind of got from Florida to the Air Force. You know, that's awesome. I don't know how many demo pilots have had kind of a similar experience to you or that Spanish background. But, you know, for me as a public affairs officer, I'm stoked, obviously, for the fact that we have, you know, several shows that are going to be in Spanish-speaking areas and we'll talk about it, you know, going to Chile, going down to Florida, those types of things. So to have you be able to kind of interact with that crowd as the pilot is going to be an awesome thing about this team going forward next year um, and getting to showcase that. 
But I, I'm sure yeah. you're excited too. I mean, oh, it's I'm pretty super cool pumped. to you know maybe do the demo narration, a little Spanish. Yeah, yeah. who knows? <laughs> uh, we got a lot of surprises in in store for the uh, Raptor Nation fans yeah. uh, for 2020. Uh, like you touched on, we're going to Chile, we're going to Florida, we're going to Arizona, we're going to a couple of different places it's gonna be awesome. that have a large Spanish-speaking population. Right. And not only myself, we have other people on the team that also speak Spanish. I mean, I know you dabble in Spanish as well there, Sam. Yeah, it took a couple years. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> we have a team member from Puerto Rico. So, you know, in terms of the team itself, we have a really good cross-section of the American populace that mm-hmm. are going to be on the team representing, you know, the United States Air Force and the F-22 community as a whole. Uh, so getting down to Spanish-speaking areas would be really cool for us to be able to go uh, tap into that you know demographic and, and talk to people and show them the opportunities that exist not only in the Air Force but just in the country you know and that they can regardless of their background they can they can achieve whatever goals they want to set out to uh, to accomplish. Absolutely, and that's what it's all about, and it, it should be an incredible time. Absolutely. Um, so let's go back to the academy days of Josh Gunderson way, for way a little back. bit, right? You know, way, way back. You know, I feel like I'm a couple years out and it's starting <laughs> to fade. But, man, you probably don't even remember in it, do you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's um, let's talk about it because I know you were involved in some pretty cool things there. I know you did a semester exchange. I did, And yeah. I also know that you were on the soaring team while you were there. So maybe kind of that yeah. started the bug of aviation or talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So in terms of the bug of aviation, uh, I don't know where that started from. Uh, but from a young age, I knew I, I knew I just wanted to fly airplanes. Um, wanted to fly. Right. Knew I wanted to fly airplanes. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very fortunate to be one of the people that kind of knows where their path is leading them at a young age. Uh, I know some people it takes them a little longer to figure that out, and I was just blessed to know that from a young age. So going forward, like I mean, I remember writing the. Naval Academy and the Air Force Academy from a young age, like handwritten letters asking for information when I was probably a ten-year-old kid, you know. Yeah. Um, and we, I get these, you know, envelopes back with information. I was just ecstatic to see those things and read them all from cover to cover, and learn how I could apply to the academy and get in so I could be a fighter pilot uh, in the uh, in the military. Um, and in terms of the Air Force Academy, uh, I went there. Like you said, I did soaring. So after the first summer, I did. Uh, the normal soaring program at the academy, loved it, uh, and decided to apply to becoming a soaring instructor. And then from there, you go through a six-month program as a cadet, and they go from the very beginning phases of flying the glider all the way to an instructor in the glider, and then you're teaching other cadets how to fly the gliders. So it's a pretty incredible responsibility when you're a 20-year-old kid, and then they're saying, hey, here's a 19-year-old kid go teach them how to fly a glider, sell them out, and then you're going to be the authority to say, yep, they're good to go or not good to go in terms of flying by themselves and bringing the airplane themselves back safely. So that's a huge responsibility, and I would say that's probably one of the coolest and most rewarding times of the academy for me was just being able to see people from the street that never flown airplanes at all that got to the academy and then from never flying an airplane all the way to flying a glider, soloing it out and bringing it back safely. It was just really rewarding. It was a really cool experience. Um so I really enjoyed that and the the experience and the people I met through that. I still have those friendships today, and it's awesome. Uh, the other thing you mentioned was the exchange to Spain. So part of you know being a, a Spanish speaker, um, I was able to go to the Spanish Air Force Academy for a six-month exchange, which was incredible. Uh, I actually hosted a Spanish exchange student for six months at the Air Force Academy. We were roommates um, in uh, Old Cadet Squadron 26. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And... Uh, so he lived with me for six months, and then what was really cool is that I got, you know, I got picked up for the exchange to go there, and we actually lived in Spain in Valencia for about uh, a month, you know, going to wow. Spanish-speaking classes, et cetera. There were four of us that went there, and then we spent the rest of our semester at the uh, Spanish Air Force Academy in uh, San Javier, um, which is on the southeast coast of Spain. 
a lot different than the Air Force Academy. A lot more marching, a lot more, you know, uh, things like that. And uh, it was really cool, though. So the friends that I made that were on exchange at the Air Force Academy, U.S. Air Force Academy, were still going to school at the Spanish Air Force Academy when I attended school there. So I got to meet them again, uh, spend, you know, a semester with them. So I knew them for about a year or so. And what's even crazier is that I went to pilot training in uh, North Texas at Shepard Air Force Base. Right. And that's uh, the NJET program, so the Euro-NATO Joint Jet uh, Pilot Training Program. And we have Spanish exchange pilots there as well. So they go through and they learn the basic fundamentals of flying aircraft uh, there. And um, what was really crazy was that some of the cadets that were not only at the Air, U.S. Air Force Academy, but also at the Spanish Air Force Academy, went back to Shepard. And I got to you know know these know these people for you know years, which is crazy. So your roommate lived with you for six years at the academy. Six months, yep. Six months, excuse me, at the academy. And then you went to Spain yep. and lived with them for six months. Yeah. And then they came back for pilot training, some of them. And yep. then you guys got to hang out for, what, one year, two years there? They were there for about six months. So six we, months again? Yeah, the, the pilot training program is uh, divided into two halves. Okay. So the first half is uh, the T-6, so it's a super, like a turboprop um, single-engine airplane. And right. you fly that for six months, and then you're competing, and then you go to T-38s uh, if you want to go to the fighter-bomber track. And at Shepard, since it's a kind of a joint program, everybody goes to T-38s, mm-hmm. which is kind of a unique uh, scenario compared to other pilot training bases. Right. And the Spanish students uh, showed up for the T-38 portion. So the last six months, it's a twin-engine supersonic jet trainer. And uh, they were there for six months. In my flight, we went through the program together. Uh, I got to actually do a couple formation solos with them. It was it was just awesome. Like, it was such a cool experience to have that go full circle uh, and see them again and, and fly with them. And then I've seen them, you know, again in the future and um, are past or beyond the uh, pilot training program. And it was just, it's just awesome. That's one of the cool things about the military is that, you not only see people from the United States, uh, you know, different walks of life that show up to the military and you meet them in one scenario, you could go for like three years, four years, five years, never talk to them, never see them, and then see them in some random place. And it's like yeah. you just like pick up. Like, it's crazy, like right? right uh, but not only that, but it's like on an international scale now, right. which is really cool. Yeah, and that's one thing that's so cool about the air show industry as well. It's the same thing, right? You. You know, you'll go once a year and you'll be with a performer. Maybe it's every single, you know, show they're coming and you just click with them. And it's like, yeah. hey, you guys are doing the same thing, mission, you know, love of aviation. And it's really cool to see that happen. Um, and I know you've been around the uh, the air show industry a little bit, which we'll get to. But um, I, I know you just must be so excited to kind of be thrown in back into that yeah. and kind of get to travel the world doing what I know you love to do. So I know we just talked about pilot training. We talked about the academy. Um but I want to kind of, you know, ask you, what was it like your very first solo um, in like a in a fighter jet type, like the T-38, yeah. when you're in pilot training at Shepard Air Force Base, one of the most prestigious pilot training schools, and they give you, you know, the reins. You're like, I'm yeah. flying the T-38 by myself for the first time. What went through your mind? What was it like? Uh, my first thought was probably don't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be mine. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's... It, honestly, it kind of takes over in terms of the train takes over. So you have a lot of phenomenal instructors that teach you from day one, whether it's the academics, the simulator training, the flying training, and uh, you have a lot of experience to fall back on. But really and truly, there's nothing that's going to replace that first experience of flying an airplane that goes supersonic by yourself. Yeah. Um, it's it's incredible. You know, you have the adrenaline that's rushing, uh, and you have, like, the nerves. It's like a good nervous because – you know, you've been trained properly and you, you have that training to fall back on. Um, but there's still the fear of the unknown. You know, you have in every other sortie, you have somebody sitting behind you that's going to be there in case something bad happens and you don't know how to handle it. They're like kind of the safety net for you. And 
Uh, there's that nervous energy, if you will, of like, man, this is the first time where there's no safety net. I'm out here by myself. The Air Force has given me the keys to this jet. Just and, uh, yeah, just you taking the jet out for a spin. And uh, it's awesome. You know, it's it's cool. Like I said, you at least for me, you know, kind of the blood gets pumping. You feel that, like, your heart up in your chest and your yeah. throat. Um, and then you just put the rails all the way up, push it up for takeoff, and, and off you go. And that that feeling is incredible, you know. So does that feeling, I mean, I'm sure it changes, but, like, even now when you get in the Raptor, are you still feeling similar emotions, those things in your chest, or is it kind of you're so used to it now that that kind of goes away? I think uh, some of those, I mean, the nervous emotions, I think, kind of go away, at least for me. Okay. Um, and we're really focused on doing our job. So whether that's, you know, doing a local training mission, uh, myself as an instructor pilot, going out there and teaching the young guys how to become better, you know, become experts at their craft of flying the F-22, uh, taking it to combat and doing what, you know, doing what the airplane's meant to do, uh, whether it's training missions, whether it's combat uh, missions, and, um, you know, all the way through the demo, everything we do is very well scripted and we practice it. We spend a lot of hours behind the scenes preparing for those missions. Um, so there is some nervous energy, if you will, if you do something for the very first time. But after that, uh, a lot of it's just trying to do the best you possibly can. So for the demo, the, the training program takes a little while uh, to get spun up to be the demo pilot because of all the maneuvers that are low altitude and low to the ground and in front of spectators. Um, so the first couple times you do that, it's a little bit nervous. Uh, you're a little nervous, but um, honestly, I would say that after a while, you're so focused on just doing a really good job and um, a previous demo pilot told me that, you know, treat it like a round of golf, you know, and <laughs> just try to get the parameters, try to get the airspeeds, the altitudes, all those things as best as you possibly can. You're trying to get the lowest score you can on the hole at each maneuver is a different hole and you're trying to play that hole the best you can. So if you look at it in that context, uh, you take some of the nervous energy out of it and you're just trying to be meticulous with how you fly the airplane to make sure it's safe, make sure it looks good, make sure the crowd's excited about it and make sure that the timing for the music, the narration, everything is synced, uh, synced up together to where you provide a, you know, polished, uh, and good-looking show for the crowd. All right. So, Shepard Air Force Base, yeah. Wichita, Wichita Falls, Falls, Texas. We have Lieutenant Gunderson. You obviously went to drop night. You dropped the F-15. Was, no. You no. didn't. I didn't. No. Nope. didn't drop Actually, the F-15. No. Yeah, so uh, kind of funny story. For the way the assignments work out, okay. you typically put down your dream list of what airplanes you want, your wish list. And there were no F-22s at the time. And from the time I was a little kid, I don't know what it was, but there was something magical about the F-15C. And I absolutely love that airplane. So All I right. put it down as the number one choice. Uh, I put A-10s down as my second number, my second choice, um, mostly because they're both similar in different ways. So they're both single-role airplanes, the F-15 being an air superiority fighter, uh, the A-10 being obviously a ground attack platform. That's the absolute king when it comes to close air support and supporting guys on the ground. But they're you know kind of niche airplanes. They do their own specific thing, and I really like that. I wanted to be really good at one specific thing. Um, and on drop night, there were no F-15Cs available, so I had actually got an A-10 out of pilot training, which was incredible. I was you know super pumped to fly the A-10, and for like three to four months, uh, I had an A-10 assignment. And, uh, you know, going through the uh, training courses, I went through survival school up in Washington uh, and the entire time thinking I was going to fly A-10s. And a really close buddy of mine who I still talk to all the time uh, is an A-10 guy. And we're like playing, hey, we're going to live in Tucson for the training course, all this other stuff. And it was kind of uh, crazy. So on July 21st, the person that does the assignments uh, comes up to me and says, "Uh, hey, I've got these two guys that want A-10s, but you know, all I have are two F-15s to give them. 
And I looked at him and I said, man, I'll, I'll take, take one of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what all you got to do is just, you know, all I was going to say is no, right? That's the worst right, case. Right. And uh, the very next day on July 22nd, my birthday, he comes up to me and gives me a birthday card and says, hey, man, happy birthday. And I'm thinking as a lieutenant, I'm like, why is this lieutenant colonel coming up to me and giving me a birthday card? That's kind of right. crazy, right? Yeah, that's insane. Uh, who am I? And uh, I opened it up and it's got an Eagle Driver patch in it. And he said, hey, yeah, congrats, nice. man. You got your Eagle assignment. And he was a C-model guy as well. I'll never forget that moment. It was really cool. I don't know if there's um, ever been a better birthday gift. You yeah, literally were gifted an F-15. Yeah, it was, it was your, pretty, pretty what, awesome. What, 23rd, 24th birthday? Uh, I don't know. Was, that's insane. I guess it was in 2010. That's, yeah, July 22nd of 2010. That is an awesome story. See, I yeah. had no idea about yep, that. There you go. Awesome. Okay, so you finally get the F-15C. Um you know, you go to B course for that. Yep. And tell us where your first base was, how it was flying that that jet. Yeah, I remember. So the B course, uh, the basic course, the uh, the training course for the F-15 had had shifted now from Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida up to Kingsley Field up in Oregon. That's run by the uh, Air National Guard in Oregon. And I remember driving into Oregon. Uh, they were night flying that week. And I see these mountains. The sun's going down. I was like, this is cool. Very pictur- picturesque. And... I look over at the field. I just want to like drive by the field to see an eagle, you know, up, up close, see it flying. And uh, like I said, they're night flying, so I see like the the anti-collision beacons going off. I see the night vision lights, uh, light strips on the airplane. I see them taking off max afterburner. So you see these massive, you know, uh, you know, burner can lights in the back, and you're just like, this is super cool. You hear the, you know, you hear the noise. You feel like the car and the ground shaking from the afterburners. And you're like, this is awesome. Um, and what was really cool about Oregon was the fact that Everybody there in the Air National Guard had, you know, thousands of hours in the F-15. So I remember at one point my um, my third high aspect BFM ride, so basic fighter maneuvers like the dogfighting stuff that we would do, right. uh, was against the highest time F-15C pilot in the Air Force at the time. Wow. So here I am, like with maybe maybe <laughs> ten hours of flying the F-15, DNA. you know, and here I am fighting against the yeah. highest, most experienced uh, F-15. It's crazy, crazy, you know. <laughs> uh, so to learn from that caliber of instructor pilot was in, was you know was phenomenal uh, i learned a ton there and absolutely loved my experience with both the people the location and the airplane in oregon uh from there i went to uh Kadena air base in okinawa japan and i was there for three years flying the f-15 and the uh, the 44th fighter squadron and that was the coolest place ever to be a brand new lieutenant flying uh flying fighters you know you're off in the small island in the pacific uh the the squadron camaraderie the morale everything when you're overseas is different than being in the states for sure because you're on this island by yourself and you're kind of the only americans around so you kind of cling to those people around you uh so the dynamic was great um and some of my best friends in the world are from that assignment and i talk to them you know all the time still and it's just it was just a really cool place to be uh beautiful island to fly around and i got some really amazing opportunities to go uh on trips with the uh the squadron whether that was like thailand uh, you know, to Alaska, to Malaysia, to all these places, um, to the Middle East, and you know, amazing memories, amazing people, and uh, love flying F-15 out there for sure. So, when did you, as an F-15 pilot, kind of start thinking, all right, there's a chance I could transition into the F-22? You know, I don't know if that's what you wanted to do. If you, you know, love the F-15, if you were told yeah. to get, move to the Raptor, I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't want to do that move. But what was that like? That process. Yeah, so the it was a normal assignment cycle. So every three years ish, uh, you'll get a different assignment, go somewhere different, uh, and you fill out your dream sheet and you say, "Hey, I want to go here and fly this airplane, etc." So there are a couple opportunities at the time to move from F-15s to F-22s, and part of my time in Japan actually was living in Alaska, sitting alert. So we would sit 
alert um, and basically do 365 day, 24 seven ops with the F-15. I was there for about four months of it and just fell in love with Alaska. Uh, Goff, you know, the airplane, saw the mountains, just like Colorado. Where just it's like just, the academy, Yeah, right? it's just, so. you know, these epic mountains everywhere. Um, you're by the ocean, you're by the mountains, you see the snow. It's just, it was cool. Um, with so much land that was untouched and the flying there was incredible. So I knew that I wanted to live in Alaska at some point in my life because it just was overwhelming and how amazing that place the was. guy from Tampa, Florida wants I know, to live right? in Alaska. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so um, part of it was location. You know, I, I really believe that uh, living places you want to live, especially with the military, you're going to travel every so often. So you have opportunities to live really cool places. And uh, there was just some internal motivation, some like um, – you know, some Alaska bug, if you will, that got into me. And I was like, I need to live in Alaska. So that was part of it was just wanting to get to Alaska. And then the other part of it was, yeah, the F-22 is a newer airplane. It's, you know, leaps and bounds ahead in terms of technology. Uh, a lot of people have asked me in the past, like, what are your thoughts on the F-15 versus the F-22? Right. And honestly, I love the F-15. Uh, I told you before that that was the airplane I wanted to fly when I was growing up. It's just like big America it's awesome. You know, I love the F-15. So I, when I explain it to people, I, yeah, it's beautiful. Jet. Uh, I tell people that it's like a, you know, 1970s muscle car, you know, like your Dodge Charger, Dodge Challenger, where you have a manual gearbox, like you are the person driving the car and the F-15 is very similar. So you have a direct control of the flight controls. The stick actually moves unlike a Raptor where it just is all fly by wire and moves very minimally. Um, the F-15, you move the airplane and I mean, holy cow, if you want to put the airplane out of control, It'd be like, all right, good luck, buddy. Like, hope hope works out <laughs> for you, you know. But you you have that sense of control of the airplane, and there's more like a visceral, like I'm part of this machine, um, flying, and it was really cool. You know, it's a little more rudimentary than a Raptor, but um, still a very lethal, improving platform. Was um, the tr- was the transition pretty easy? I'm sure you got you know awesome training yeah. from the Air Force, but like you said, to go from the F-15 to the F-22. Yeah. How is just that process as a pilot? So, I mean, going from the F-15, which, like I said, uh, is a very capable fighter. Right. uh, Hands down. I mean, they're even, they're still making F-15s to this day that are modified. Going from that to a Raptor, I kind of equate that to uh, my dream car, the Aston Martin. You know, it's (laughs) like, it's a, uh, you know, it's a very modern, uh, very elegant looking display in terms of all the things are are put together in the cockpit well for you. Uh, All the sensors are put together. So it gives you one very, um, easy to understand display that's color coded and you know it's just it's a little bit cleaner in terms of the cockpit and it's also performance wise a lot better than the eagle because obviously it's you know it was built 30 years later so uh, in terms of technological advancements we've had a big big leap in technology with the f-22 and what it provides to you know the warfighter uh in the air and then supporting on the ground or other airplanes the f-15s f-16s f-18s in the air so in that in that regard the airplane obviously is is a more lethal platform and flying the airplane, uh, the the mission sets are very similar. So there are a lot of mission sets that we, we carry uh, that are common with the F-15 because we're both primarily air-to-air platforms. And, uh, you know, so all the things we do in terms of air-to-air combat, the mission sets are very similar. Uh, there are a couple of nuanced ones that we do differently with the F-22 because of our ability to get into places that people can't see us. Um, and those are a little different. But in terms of the air-to-air mindset, very similar. Uh, and understanding those mission sets well. I think the F-15 community, uh, the instructor pilots there, the leadership there at Kadena, all the way going back to Oregon, treated me, treated me or trained me really well uh, for transitioning to the F-22. 
Um, so, in terms of the F-22, though, like the F-22 flying-wise, right. it's kind of cool because the F-15, you have a two-seat model that you, know, yeah. you have to swing the back seat. You, right, yeah. the F-22, from our very brand-new lieutenants that start flying F-22 to myself and the other guys who swapped over to F-22, the first time you fly, it's by yourself. And, you know, comparison in comparison, the F-15, I got probably about 70 to 80 hours of flying time in the in the training course. Get comfortable, right. You get comfortable with it in the, in the training course. Um, and the F-22 transition course, I think I did about 11 rides. Uh, so compared to, you know, I got about whatever, maybe 11 to 15 hours or 10 to 15 hours, somewhere around there. Compare that to 80 hours in the F-15, uh, a little bit less in terms of timeline. But, um, I mean, uh, you have a really robust background to fall upon, fall back on in the F-15 community, uh, tra- taking me into the F-15 or F-22 community. And uh, so that transition was pretty smooth. It wasn't anything uh, like crazy in terms of leaps and having to make a big jump for um to learn etc so from gliders at the academy to the t38 and pilot training to the f-15c model to the f-22 you've flown a lot of different aircraft yeah are you confident in saying right now that the f-22 is your favorite thing to fly you still have some love for all the others uh i still love the other ones i mean for example gliding at the academy at the base of rocky mountains and all you hear is wind noise it's unlike anything else you know up around pike's peak yeah there's no (laughs) thermals yeah (laughs) there's no engine noise it's just all you hear is the wind you know and it's 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 the very essence of flying i think Mm -hmm. um and you know like i said every every airplane to me holds a special place in terms of uh, what the airplane meant to me at the time. And looking back, I mean, this morning I was looking through old pictures and saw some uh, pictures of flying different airplanes, and it just brought me back immediately to those times. Back and it was great. Uh, the nostalgia of that was incredible. So Wow. Uh, but I would say that, you know, the F- F-22, to me, not only is it the most capable fighter or airplane I've ever flown, um, I think, to me, it's probably the most special, and I would say that's because the, the F-22 is kind of the first airplane that I actually deployed to the Middle East and actually flew combat missions with my brothers and sisters in arms. Wow. And to me, that's why that airplane, or why this why this airplane, the F-22, uh, holds a really special place in my heart because uh, that was the first time that, you know, we actually went and did uh, did a job with the guys I train with and the girls I train with uh, on a daily basis. And that was very rewarding, you know. And uh, while it wasn't a standard mission set for an air-to-air fighter like the F-22, uh, we did drop, you know, drop bombs and things like that that weren't part of our normal mission sets. Uh, it was very rewarding, and uh, I look back on that as one of the one of the highlights of my time in the Air Force and in my life as a whole. You know, so the F twenty two will always be, um, you know, kind of the the airplane that I that I love and um, that I think you know incredibly highly of. Well, man, Cabo, I know you pretty well now, but just being able to hear kind of your backstory and just that part of, of you know your training and what you've gone through is pretty pretty awesome. So I hope you know the fans out there are able to hear some of that. And kind of learn who you are a little bit better, yeah. right? You know, who's the man behind the flight suit and behind the Raptor demo patch? But, um, you know, I want to transition now to talk more about the team, the yeah. F-22 demo team. Um, you know, I know a lot of people out there have been following us since our first season back in, what, 2007. Um, but just for you specifically, when you got here, you've been here at Langley Air Force Base for several months now. But most people don't know that there was a process and, like, a pretty rigorous training syllabus that you had yeah, to... Absolutely you know, fly and get um, certified by several different commanders uh, over a month, months and months um, on end. So can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like, kind of what you had to go through to be able to finally be certified as the F-22 demo pilot? Yeah, you bet. Um, So, I mean, the flying piece is definitely, you know, that's what the fans see along with the ground show and they see that and it's loud and it makes a lot of noise. Um, 
but I would say that you know that's twenty percent of the job. So there's a lot of backstory we can get into in terms of uh, the team as a whole. But in terms of the flying, I got here in late August. I traveled with the team to a couple different shows because, like I said, you know, twenty percent is flying, but the other eighty percent is going to hospitals, going to schools, interacting with people on the on the uh, the crowd line, you know, taking pictures of little yeah. kids. And it, like that's honestly the most rewarding part of this job. It's and, and my hands favorite down. part was everyone was you know who's this guy <clears throat> pointing to you and we'd have to yeah. be hush hush. Like, oh, we don't know who he is. Who who led him on the yeah, team? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, that, that honestly is the most rewarding part of this job, hands down. The flying stuff, like I said earlier, you know, we're focused on the parameters, making sure everything is safe. Uh, for the crowd and it looks good um, and in terms of the training syllabus we start off on the demo out over the water actually about 5,000 feet and we do the entire routine so Loco was actually out there flying another F-22 with me and we brief it up he talks to me about all the maneuvers there are a lot there are, you know a lot of maneuvers that um, that can be a little tricky and he did a great job of talking about those and explaining the nuances of them all and what to look for, what not to look for, where to focus my effort and my attention at the right time, uh, because there are a lot of critical moments in the demo um, that we put on for the for the crowds, you know. So we flew over the water at 5,000 feet. He basically was flying on the F-22 with me and chased me through the whole thing. So I'm flying the entire routine uh, at 5,000 feet above the ground, above the water, come back, we do it again, we do a high show, we do a low show, so simulating if there's bad weather, we'll have different, a different profile we fly that doesn't go as high altitude to keep everything below the clouds. Uh, so do a high show and a low show with Loco following me, and then we get over the field, so the third time I fly the demo is actually over Langley Air Force Base, um, over the runway environment, and I'll start at 2,500 feet, and then at 2,500 feet, I'll keep working myself down to 500 feet increments, all the way down to our minimums, uh, and our minimums are 300 feet, uh, AGL, so above the ground level, and then uh, 200 feet is our 300 feet is our target, and then 200 feet is our minimum. So that's the lowest we'll ever go in the demo. And uh, you basically do just successive uh, flights that continue to work yourself down all the way to the minimums. And Loco's there, uh, coaching me along, giving me you know mentorship as we go through this process to make sure that he passes on as much information as he possibly can. Uh, to me, so when I take the reins and I'm off, you know, off on the road at my first air show by myself, that he's given me as much information as he possibly can, so I can be teed up for success. Um, and then in terms of certifications, it's a 17 ride program total. Uh, once you get down to minimums, you're basically just doing it over and over again and practicing different maneuvers. And then eventually the wing commander here, so Colonel Lopez, will certify the new demo pilot. So I'll do a flight with him. I'll brief the whole thing. We'll fly it, come back and debrief, watch the tapes. So we'll actually record everything, both like a video camera as well as in the cockpit footage. Uh, so you can look at that and kind of monitor everything. And then once we you know, brief, fly, and debrief that and he's happy with what he saw, uh, he'll certify the demo pilot. So that happened for me a couple weeks back, and then we went down to Shaw Air Force Base and uh, got certified by the 9th Air Force, the numbered Air Force commander, and uh, General Franks. And uh, then from there, did the COMAC cert. So uh, 21 January, uh, I got certified by uh, General Holmes, and uh, it's just that's the last certification for us in terms of flying as the demo pilot. And it's a really rewarding experience to see the team come together. See the hard work that you know Locos put into the team, uh, as well as the study hours and all stuff I put into this job. Come to you know, come to a point where we can you know say to the uh, ACC commander, "Hey, sir, here's the team. Here's what here's what we've got. Here's what we've been working on for the past couple of months." And uh, to get a thumbs up from him is is huge. 
Yeah, as someone who's been watching that entire process, yeah. you know, from the ground looking up, seeing you start at 2,500 feet and come lower and come lower, it's been cool, you know? It's, it's been awesome for the entire team to just look at you and be like, wow, he's putting in the time, he's putting in the effort, he's perfecting these maneuvers, and we know how hard it must be and can't imagine everything that goes on behind the scenes. So that's what I want all the fans out there to know is that when they come out to a show, you know, it, it looks great, and that's because you have put in so much time, and the entire team has put in so much time to perfecting that maneuver. Yeah, um, I, I mean, last point on that, I would say that, you know, the time that any demo pilot, so myself, Loco, any of the other single ship demo teams, whether it's, you know, Viper, A-10, F-35, uh, the Thunderbirds, all the pilots work really, really hard because the things that people see on the ground when they see the jet flying, they see the routine, it looks clean, it looks good. Uh, that's, a, you know, that's a reflection on the team as a whole, you know, because everybody that's turning wrenches on the ground, making sure the, the gear that we wear when we fly the airplanes from, you know, flight, uh, air crew flight equipment folks, um, all the hard work and time they put into it and the logistical plane that Sergeant Olden puts in and Sergeant DeWeese is going to put in this year um, for the, uh, the, the shows and the trips, whether it's lodging and vehicles, all that stuff. You know, people don't see that hard work that goes into it. So it's, I kind of feel like it's a weight on my shoulders. I have to do a good job. I have to put the work in because that's what people see. And if if they see a really good show, it makes all the hard work that, you know, everybody that's that's making the logistical stuff happen, it makes all that hard work worth it uh, and kind of uh, makes, it, makes it look good for the crowd for sure. So it's my understanding that the demo profile, the maneuvers you fly, they're all combat maneuvers that you guys actually use, you know, minus the tail slide maybe or, or a few of them. <laughs> So, but you are the only one pretty much in the world, um, F-22 wise, that can fly and do those maneuvers in the locations you do and at the altitudes that you do. So how does that feel for you to kind of represent not only Raptor Nation, but your fellow pilots out there and be able to just showcase this platform to so many people around the world in the way that you're able to do it? Yeah, I I mean, it's... It's huge. Like I said, uh, you know, at the very beginning, it, the responsibility of representing representing those uh, men and women who fly this airplane, uh, who work on the airplane, uh, it's it's huge. Um, so, like you touched on, a lot of the maneuvers we do, if not all, with the exception of a couple, uh, are things that we would do in you know combat scenarios. Obviously, the things we're doing in the demo are very scripted. So, uh, in terms of the parameters on stuff, it's very scripted. But the general principle of all the things we do, whether it's the min radius turn where you're trying to like, you know out find another aircraft out there, whatever it happens to be, um, those are taken and represent what the F-22 can do uh, in a very small sense. So the F-22 as a airplane and a weapon system, it's huge. And, the, you know, this is a fraction of what we can show in terms of maneuverability. There are a lot of things in terms of super crews and the advanced avionics and the stealthy aspects of the airplane. You can kind of see it looks very clean in terms of lines, but there are a lot of things we can't show the crowds. So the small, you know, subsec subsection of what we can show them is maneuverability and we take some maneuvers that we do in the air and uh, kind of showcase them for the crowds doing them really low to the ground uh is kind of uh it's kind of cool because you know you can see the people on the ground you can see them looking up at the aircraft you can see people waving and all those things it's, it's neat you know it's it's neat to be able to showcase that and like i said represent all the people that uh, do this day in and day out you know i'm very fortunate and blessed that i got the opportunity to do this job and travel with the F-22 around the world, around the country, um, showcasing those capabilities. But you know, every show we do, every maneuver we do, is to represent those people that do this day in and day out, that aren't doing demos, that are flying combat you know, sorties, that are flying training sorties, that are working on jets, that are loading and unloading munitions, that are inspecting you know, our flight gear. Uh, those are the people that you know, we're trying to represent. So to me, Doing this demo is way beyond just the maneuvers, way beyond just doing it low altitude. It, it represents those people, and that's, that's what makes it special to me.
So you officially are the F-22 demo pilot. Congratulations Thanks. again to you, sir, for that. Um, I, you know, I'm just curious, what does your family think? You know, when you told them, first when you were getting this job, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what like family reunions are like for you as a fighter pilot walking into that. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's a little intimidated, and I know I would be, but wh what do your family say? No, I'm just uh, just Josh when I go home. <laughs> oh, really? You're just Josh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it just it's uh, it's awesome to go home because obviously being in the military, uh, like everybody else in the military, we sacrifice a lot of our time and effort, and a lot of that's away from home. A lot, a lot of that's away from our families, whether it's you know our deployments uh, overseas, whether it's just being stationed somewhere outside of your home uh, city. So going home is always special, and it's really cool to see them, and being able to go explain to them like hey this is what I do with the airplane it's neat so they don't get the opportunity to see what I do with the airplane on a normal basis so when I tell them hey this is what I do for a living I can describe it I can kind of show them pictures and videos but they don't really get a full you know picture of exactly what I do for a living so the really neat thing about the demo job is they can see exactly what we do for a living my full-time job is to be the F-22 demo pilot and they can see that uh, in person. They can see it at air shows. In fact, you're going to McDill. So we've got, we've got a, a list of amazing show locations this year, and I'm super thrilled to go to, to those shows. Uh, McDill in Tampa, Florida is going to be a really cool show for me. It's actually one of the first shows in the season, and my, my family is going to be there to watch me fly uh, at that show. And that's going to be really cool where they can actually see – uh, what I do for a living. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah, the Tampa show should be incredible. Um, and just to draw it out a little bit, I mean, we've got an incredible schedule lined it's, up. This it's, year. Awesome. it's awesome. We're going to three international shows yep. Singapore, Santiago, Chile, going up to Canada as well, not to mention just an amazing array of like locations here stateside as well that, you know, our fans can catch us at any of these shows. But for you, um, I don't know if everyone's pieced this together, but our very first show of the season is actually going to be in Singapore. Yeah, it's huge. And you're flying that show, but little do people know, you've actually had experience flying an international show before. So yeah. So talk yeah. to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I kind of just slipped, tripped, and fell into a good deal on that one. So <laughs> You went to um, Australia? Yeah, I went to Australia, which Man. is awesome. So uh, I was very fortunate. I actually got to, in 2017, got to support the F-22 demo team. Uh, at the actual at the air show in Australia, so it's Avalon International Air Show in Melbourne, Australia. It's actually just outside of Melbourne in uh, Geelong, and um, it's a huge international air show. We're talking three hundred thousand plus people that show up to this international air and trade show. So we were there for an exercise in Australia. We took jets down. Uh, the demo team used the jets for the uh, the air show, and then we took the jets back to Alaska, which is cool. That was kind of my first taste, my first glimpse in terms of the. Uh, Australia Air Show. And then two years later, it just so happened that due to some scheduling conflicts, the F-22 demo team couldn't go back to Australia to fly the show. And um, they were asking for an F-22 demo there. And uh, they asked Alaska because we're you know relatively close to Australia and we'd gone there multiple times. So that whole experience was really cool. I just kind of tripped into a good deal. And they said, hey, Cabo, do you mind you know being the projo or the project officer for getting the jets down there and flying in the air show. And I said, this is, this is awesome, you know. Of course, I'm trying to say, yes, sir, this sounds great. You know, I'm trying to <laughs> keep the smile to a minimum, you know. And, like, yeah, um, I'll think about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll <laughs> think about it, right? Yeah, cool. Um, but actually, it was a pretty lengthy process. So uh, since I wasn't a demo team pilot at the time, or I wasn't a demo pilot, and we didn't have yeah, a demo team. On all of it. Yeah, you have to, I mean, it was really just a matter of me sitting down with a lot of really smart uh, people that were previous demo pilots and coming up with the modified demo routine and then once we got that done, I flew it in the sim. I don't know how many times, I mean, countless times in the sim, practicing it over and over and over again, writing everything down, putting together briefs, briefing leadership uh, in Alaska. 
And thankfully, you know, uh, with the hard work that we put into it, uh, leadership was supportive of it. They approved it. We had to get it all the way approved up to a three-star general level uh, who eventually signed off and said, yep, that's good to go. He watched the profile on the sim. Uh, we briefed him on it, everything like that. And then they kind of trusted me to take two F-22s from Alaska, get them all the way down to Australia with a maintenance package who was, I mean, phenomenal. Um, uh, I mean, the maintenance team was incredible. Uh, Master Sergeant Cook, who probably is, he's probably still on senior Master Sergeant now. Uh, I've been on a couple trips with him, and he is awesome. Uh, I can't say enough positive things about him. But in terms of getting the jets down there, the logistics, the maintenance support, everything was was awesome. And had a great team to support uh, that. So we flew down there. Uh, we had three pilots. We actually took our Australian exchange pilot. So he's um, a Royal Australian Air Force F-18 uh, weapons officer. So like the absolute pinnacle, the PhD level of fighter pilot uh, in Australia. And he's on exchange for three years in Alaska flying with the 90th Fighter Squadron uh, out of Anchorage. And uh, he went down there as well with us. We had three pilots, a team of maintenance folks. Uh, went down there to the uh, the Avalon Air Show again, and then flew for like five, six days. I think it was like six six different modified demos. We flew down there, uh, and then brought the jets back home to Alaska. So that was my first experience in flying, you know, in front of a huge crowd, and it was really cool being able to talk to people, uh, showcase the F twenty two in like a small way compared to what the you know the ACC full F twenty two demo profile is, um, and that like. That success with that trip, it went off without a hitch. Everybody was happy with it. Kind of led to more opportunities. So I actually flew that same modified demo up at Isleson Air Force Base at their air show. Then I flew the same modified demo at um, at Elmendorf for the uh, Third Wing's 100-year anniversary. So I've got a chance to fly uh, that at a couple different locations. And it was kind of like a teaser, if you will, of getting into the demo world. And it was, uh, in terms of experience, it was really helpful. And uh, like I said, I've got nothing, uh, I've got, you know, nothing bad to say it was just a great experience overall and i really appreciate that leadership trusted me to take these jets execute this plan that i briefed them on and kind of conceived with some help from other people and uh and showcase the raptor uh community as a whole on a national scene so well major gunderson sir before we wrap it up i just kind of want to ask a couple more final questions yeah. to you um first one is what would you say to the kid who is listening right now who, you know, it was you back when you were growing up, yeah. whether they, you know, want to fly jets or want to be in the Air Force or want to be the demo pilot. What would you say to them, to the person hoping to be in your shoes? Yeah, uh, I mean, there are a lot of things to, to say to that little kid, right? Because like you said, I was a little kid and not to not to spoil it too much, but uh, <laughs> a little bit of backstory for, uh, for us. We have uh, another couple things a couple of few or a few things in mind a couple in ideas of, planned for the season it's going to be awesome wise, feature, we won't, right? yeah we won't, we won't spoil <laughs> it right now but um what i got to do when i was 11 years old was actually meet the f-15 demo pilot and uh you know 12 years later i meet the same person so without going into too many details at this point uh it was you know that interaction with an, F- an f-15 demo pilot or a demo pilot at all was huge for me because i was that little kid that was 11 years old with like the glimmer in his eye that wanted to fly airplanes and meeting that pilot, um, him taking the time to talk to me was huge. So if I were, you know, now that I'm actually in that in those shoes, which is an incredible honor and a privilege to, to do, I would definitely tell those uh, kids that no matter what your goal is, if you want to be a pilot, you want to be a maintenance person, you want to be a dentist, a doctor, a lawyer, public affairs, like whatever your goal happens to be, I would tell them that uh, don't, you know, don't let anything stop you from achieving your goals. You know, I, I don't think that it's reasonable that every single little kid out there is going to be a fighter pilot because some people just don't want to fly airplanes or whatever. So my message to those little kids are not to, you know, do exactly what I've done. I just want to use this as a platform to show them that whatever your goals happen to be, 
you can achieve them. Like don't let anybody or anything stop you um, from achieving your goals. Just work really hard. Uh, listen to your parents. Do well in school. Keep around. You know, keep friends that are good friends around you. Keep your your circle close, and just don't let anybody stop you from achieving your goals. Because at the end of the day, like when you when you get to the point where I'm at, where you're at, Sam, and we look back and say, man. We had, we had an idea in our brain and we just kept going after it, kept going after it. You know, there are always going to be people that say, no, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. And just don't listen to those people. You know, don't let any barriers stop you. Whatever barriers it happen to be, don't let them stop you, you know, um, from, um, I mean, from a kid whose family didn't, you know, didn't come from this country or wasn't born in this country all the way to being an F-22 demo pilot. You know, there are plenty of barriers that, that were there. And I just didn't let them stop me. You know, there's there's uh, no point in wasting your time on that stuff. Just stay positive and, uh, and keep going forward. So final question I have for you yeah. is a year from now, when you're just finishing our last show of the year, what is your goal? What would you like to say you accomplished? I would like to say that my, my goal, first and foremost, is that I'd like to look back and say that I have empowered the team to do their job. Uh, that's ultimately my job as a demo team commander. Uh, yes, being the demo team pilot is huge, but being the demo team commander in my mind carries way more weight than just flying the airplane. So I would like to look back and say I have empowered the team to do their jobs, whether it's you know the superintendent, uh, the team chief, the maintenance team, you as a public affairs officer, the aircrew flight equipment folks. Uh, I want to look back and say, yep, I've given them the tools and cut them loose because you because you're all very very capable people. Um, and we'll look back and do that because ultimately if the team succeeds, then we're going to do, you know, phenomenal things across the, across the country, across the globe. And, uh, that's kind of my goal for the team is to make sure I empower them to do really well in terms of the demo team as a whole and what we provide to the U S populace and the global kind of community. Uh, I would like to make, you know, make sure that we reach into those communities that have never, you know, never seen the air force, never seen the military, and talk to those people, whether they're you know little kids or whether they're adults, uh, because ultimately, the U.S. military as a whole is instrumental in the Air Force or in the uh, in the country and our successes as a country. Uh, so the more support we have from the U.S. populace, whether they join the military or don't, they could be contractors, they could join the military, whatever it happens to be, just so they know that we're approachable, we're people that they can talk to. We're not just some poster, we're not some face on a TV screen. Like they can actually relate to us and know that these jobs, these, these opportunities the military provides uh, are not these far, you know, these far off uh, unattainable goals. Uh, so reaching those communities, I think is my goal for the season um, for the, the demo team as a whole. Well, Major Gunderson, sir, thank you so much for taking the time Thanks, to come Sam. in this morning Appreciate and to really <laughs> just give us a look kind of Oop, behind who you are, right? Oh, it's telling <laughs> us it's time to go. <laughs> time to go. Um, for those who can't see, our raptor patch has fallen off the wall here behind <laughs> us. But um, I know I can't wait for the season to start, and a lot of people out there can't wait to see you, not only you, but the entire team. Um, so we can't wait. I know we're both excited. Pumped. It's going to be an awesome year. Um, raptor Nation, we can't wait to see you out there. Um, but until next time, we'll next see time. you guys soon. And uh, can't wait to head out for our first show. Sounds good. See you, Sam.